So today, uh, the question is, uh, what do you want? Uh, and, and I just, uh, I, I just, I, I want to just take a moment, and uh, I, I do this frequently. It's, it's kind of my springboard to uh, uh, being able to jump into the Word of God if when I'm talking to somebody. But if I go to a restaurant, or uh, even when I'm talking to just people, strangers on the street, I will ask them, I, you know, a lot of times I'll just say, you know, if you could ask God one question, uh, what would it be? And it was like, well, I don't believe in God. Sometimes that's what they'll say. Well, I said, well, I don't care if you believe in God or not. Let's just assume that there was a God or that there is a God and that he would give you anything that you wanted in life. What is it that you would want? What is it that you would ask God for? And I ask you that question this morning. And if you've got a piece of paper, I'd like for you to just kind of take, just either make a mental note or write down on a piece of paper, you know, if God were to say to you, what do you want? How would you answer? How would you answer? It could be one word. It could be two words. It could be a sentence. But I'm going to give you a moment just to fill that out. What do you want? If, God, if you could stand before God and God would give you anything that you wanted what would you ask for? Let's just take a minute. All right, you got it? I see some of you still writing. You can keep writing. I'm going to start with the word. In John chapter 1, uh, this is after the book of John was written by the Apostle John. We have two Johns in the book of John. You have John the Baptist and you have John the Apostle John. James and John were also called the sons of thunder. They were also known as the sons of Zebedee. Uh, they were the two that uh, asked when uh, Samaria didn't want to receive Jesus. They asked, uh, Lord, shall we just call fire down on this place and burn it up? And Jesus said, no, you, know, you, know, you don't even know what kind of spirit... That, you know, that you're of or where that comes from. You know, that that's not my heart, that he says that the Son of Man came to save life but not to destroy it. But so in, in John chapter 1, John the Baptist uh, is pointing to Jesus and he says, Behold the Lamb of God that will take away the sin of the world. And so he's pointing toward Jesus. John the Baptist is pointing toward Jesus. And there were a couple of his disciples, and John was raising up disciples that, uh, I'm going to need a bottle of water, Carlos. If you would, please. I, there's some in my office. You got one? Thank you. Rebecca, I'll pay you back. Uh, so John, uh, John the Baptist was training his disciples, and he says, at some point, there's someone that's going to come. The Messiah is coming. When he comes, I'll point him out. And when I point him out to you, you start following him. That my ministry and my mission with you at that point is over. And so like a precision drill team. I mean, these guys are following John. They're following John. And I mean, day in, day out, they're living together. You know, they, they stay at the same house. And, uh, and then at that point, John says, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Well, John's disciples were so versed and so well trained and knew what was coming that at that point it was like, adios, G or John, and hello, Jesus. And uh, so, I mean, they're just like after Jesus. And so they're following Jesus. And when Jesus saw, or when he saw Jesus passing by, he says, look, the Lamb of God. 
This is John the Baptist talking to his disciples. And two of the disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. And turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? And uh, what they wanted, you're just going to have to read the story. Because I'm just going to give you the question. In uh, 2 Kings chapter uh, 3... It says, uh, at Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream. And he, and he said, the Lord said to Solomon, ask whatever you want me to give you. See, I believe that God's still asking that question today. He said, ask whatever you want me to give you. And Solomon answered and he said, you've shown me great kindness and righteousness Uh, You have showed great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was uh, faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. And you have continued this uh, kindness to him and given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. And now, my Lord, you have made your servant king in the place of my father David. I'm only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people that you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count. Or to number, so give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people uh, and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? And the Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this, uh, that he didn't ask for long life or for wealth. He says that you have uh, you haven't asked for the death of your enemies, uh, but for discernment and administering justice. I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart. And we all know how wise Solomon was. I mean, we see the world still speaks about the wisdom of Solomon today. He says, so that there will never, uh, so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime you will not have an equal among kings. And then we, uh, we see in 2 Kings chapter 2, uh, God has already told Elijah uh, to go and anoint Elisha uh, with oil that he was going to be the next prophet that would take his place. It says that when the Lord was about to take Elijah up, remember there are, uh, uh, Elijah is one of two men uh, that were actually, that didn't die. Uh, the Lord just kind of, just like, you know, whoops, take, you know, just like you're out of here. Uh, and if you want to find out who the first one was, you're going to have to go to the book of Genesis and read it there. Uh, it says, and so Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, the Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, as surely as the Lord lives, and as you live, I will not leave you. It's just like, I'm going to be your shadow, and I'm going to be your shadow today. It says, and so they went down to Bethel. And the company of prophets at Bethel came to Elisha and said, do you not know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, Elisha said, or replied, so be quiet. And Elisha said to them, stay here, or Elijah said to him, stay here. And Elisha said, the Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. And the company of the prophets at Jericho went up to Elisha and asked him, do you not know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? He says, yes, I know. 
he says, please be quiet or be quiet. I'm not sure how he said it. Uh, he might have said it with some, uh, you know, with some uh, authority uh, or with something, some kind of tone in his voice. Just like, yes, I understand. Uh, just leave me alone. I'm not taking my eyes off of him. Elijah said to him, stay here. The Lord has sent me to Jordan. Anyway, he replied, as surely as the Lord lives and you live, I will not leave you. So that the two of them walked on. And 50 of the men of the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. And Elijah took his cloak and he rolled it up the Jordan River. If you've ever seen it, you know, it's not like a creek. Uh, it's a, a pretty good sized body of water. Uh, Elijah took his cloak, he rolled it up and struck the water, and the water divided uh, the right to, uh, from right to left. And the two of them crossed over on dry ground. It's like the children of Israel passing over uh, the, uh, the sea on dry ground. And when they crossed over, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me, what can I do for you? Here's that question, what do you want? You know, I mean, you've been following me all day long. Tell me what it is that you want. And he says, let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. He says, you've asked a difficult thing, uh, yet if you see me when I'm taken up from you, it will be yours. Otherwise, it will not. And as they were walking along and talking together, suddenly the chariots of fire and the horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind, and Elisha saw this and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And Elijah said to him, No more. Or Elisha saw him no more. Then he took hold of his garment and tore it in two, and Elisha then picked up Elijah's cloak that had fallen to, uh, uh, from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. And he took the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and struck the waters with it. Where now is the Lord God of Elijah, he said. And when he struck the water, it divided to the right and to the left, and he crossed over on dry, dry ground. And the company of the prophets saw this, who were at Jericho, and they said, the spirit of Elijah is resting on Elisha. And so I, I ask you again, uh, just like we talked about the disciples of John, we talked about Solomon, and now we talked about Elisha and Elijah, all three being the, asked the same question, what is it that you want? What is it that you want? What is it that's going to really really, really satisfy you in this lifetime. Because we understand, you know, if you've walked with the Lord for any period of time, we understand that the temporal things will not satisfy. They, they, they might bring you happiness for a moment, but after a while that happiness is gone. And there's something else that you want. And so we understand that the temporal will not uh, satisfy what was meant to be satisfied by the eternal. Um, you know, I, I came back to this song. We, uh, we've done this song a couple of times in church. Uh, it's uh, from the old hymns. And uh, let me just read a couple of verses to you. Oh, to grace, how great a debtor, daily I'm constrained to be. Just talking about the grace of God in our life. That, you know, grace is, as I've said many, many times, that 
It is unearned favor. It's just favor, just like, you know, some total stranger walking up to you on the street and giving you money or giving you food or, you know, you know pouring out a blessing, giving you a blessing. Oh, to grace, how great a debtor daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. Oh, take and seal it and seal it for thy courts above. And, and so the, the bottom line is this is it's like, God, I love you and, I, and I'm passionate about you and I, I love your word and I want to be a follower of yours and I want to be a doer of the word and not just a hearer of the word only. But I know my heart. I know that my heart is prone to wonder. In fact, Jeremiah says, but you know, like that we think that you may think that you know your heart, but he says the heart is wicked uh, uh, or, or evil and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Who can know our heart? You know, we think that, you know, we want to, you know, we're on the right path. We want to serve God. I've got a good prayer time. I'm disciplined. And then all of a sudden one day it's just like, you know, I forgot to read my word or forgot to read the word, forgot my prayer time. I had to get caught up on business that I got behind on. And it's just like, basically, I've sent God to the side and said, God, I'll deal with, you know, you and I can meet later. Uh, you know, I've just, you know, I'm busy in the world right now. And we put God on the back burner, so to speak. Uh, we're warned in the scripture that, you know, that this would happen. There's a great warning of the word of God. In Second Timothy uh, Paul is writing in chapter 4, in verse 9, he says, Do to your best to come to me quickly. For Demas, this is one of Paul's companions in the faith, because he loved this world. Because Demas loved this world, he has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. And so I, I just put this out there today, and please don't take it as condemnation. Take it as a warning. Take it as just like, God, this could be me. This could be me. I mean, we hear it all the time. We hear about, you know, those that have been, you know, uh, in the body of Christ. They've been what we would call, uh, you know, pillars in the body of Christ. We see it happen to radio ministers and TV ministers. And we see them just falling and walking away from the Lord. I heard about a pastor uh, just about a month ago that just, you know, after being there for about 14 or 15 years serving in this church, just one day just gets up and just, you know, he and his wife get a divorce, and he's just like out of the ministry. And so I, I just want to warn us about that. Second Kings uh, chapter 11, talking about Solomon again. And it said that, remember how Solomon was when we just read? You know, God says, what do you want? I want a wise, discerning heart. I, well, that was Solomon's cry. But we see at the end of his life, it says that Solomon grew old, and his wives turned his heart after other gods. The Bible says that he had 700 wives and 300 concubines. If you're a good mathematician, you know that if he spent the night with one of them, take 300 nights or about three, three years, uh, you know, uh, to get... Get to each one. Uh, or take about a year, I'm sorry, to get to each one. No, a thousand. It would take three years to get to each one. So, good night, honey. I'll see you in three years. 
In uh, Proverbs uh, chapter 4, the Lord is speaking to us and warning us. He says, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. That's what Jesus said, that, you know, it's not what goes into a man's mouth that defiles him, but it's what comes out of the mouth. He talks about fornication and adultery. He talks about, you know, uh, lying and, you know, uh, stealing and all of these things, all of these ungodly things. He says, these are the things that will defile a man, and they come from the heart. And that's what will cause you to leave. That's what will cause you to depart. It's like all of a sudden, uh, the world starts looking brighter and brighter. The Lord's, uh, the, the world starts looking more beautiful, and you start looking toward the world. Remember in the story of Abraham and Lot, uh, both of their herds became so large that they were like, you know, uh, Abraham said, look, the land right here, we've got plenty of land, but we can't be together anymore. We've got to separate. And, you know, he says, if you choose the right, I'll take the left. You know, you go ahead and you take the first choice. Well, it said that Lot chose the portion of land that was closest to Sodom and Gomorrah. And we know that what happened, why God eventually destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. And he destroyed them because of their wickedness. God says, I, you know, I just can't believe it. Just like, you know, I've never seen anything like this before. I uh, uh, have, have an occasion. I go to a restaurant. Uh, the guy th- uh, that uh, waits on me is just openly gay. Uh, we are, we're friends. Uh, you know, I, I talk to him. I, you know, I show him love and kindness every time that I go in there. But uh, I know where he stands on his position of homosexuality, and he knows where I stand. I stand of what the Word of God says. And uh, we were, uh, you know, uh, at that restaurant a couple of, about a month ago, uh, maybe two months ago, and uh, I went in, and, and uh, uh, he just said, Ron, it's going to be, you know, we're just like swamped. It's going to be about 20 minutes before I can seat you or find you a table. And I said, that's fine. Jason was with me, and he had been out of town or I'd been out of town. I said, it's going to give us a take, you know, that time and get caught up. And so we'd gone outside and sat down. And about two minutes later, he comes out and he says, Ron, I got you a table. Come on in. And so we go in, we sit down. And as we're leaving, uh, I, I just went over and I thanked him for getting us in early, get, getting us in on time and uh, not making us wait or having to wait. And, uh, you know, just kind of you know, uh, said our goodbyes, and I'm walking down the street. Jason and I are leaving the restaurant. We're walking down the street, and um, all of a sudden, I hear this voice saying, Ron, 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 and I mean, this guy is standing at the cashier. There are customers waiting. He's got menus in his hand, and he leaves all of that, and he's chasing me down the street, and I thought, this is going to be interesting. Uh, but he says, man, I'm really going through some stuff right now. I'm physically going through some stuff right now. I'm spiritually going through some stuff right now. Would you pray for me? And so right there, you know, a lot of times, you know how we have that habit? Yeah, I'll pray for you. Yeah, as soon as I get to my car, 
or as soon as I get home, or when I get together with a group of friends, it was like, no, heck no. I mean, we're praying, we're praying right now. You want prayer? I mean, right there in the sidewalk, right in front of that restaurant, in front of all of those customers, uh, right in the middle of the street. We're all huddled up like a football huddle, and I am praying that God would bless him with peace and that he would come to know Jesus as his Lord and Savior. And the next time I go into the restaurant, you know, he's all, man, I can't wait till we pray again. You know, and it's just like, you know, he, uh, he's hugging on me and, and won't let me go. And I'm starting to feel a little uncomfortable. Uh, but, but I'm thinking, God, just heal this man. I mean, he knows my heart toward him. He knows that I care for him. I'm going to tell you guys that if you're wagging your finger in the face of somebody that's a sinner, you will never have that opportunity. They're never going to ask you to pray for them. They're never going to ask you for anything because all they know that you're going to get, they're going to get from you is condemnation. But when you love them, when you love them like Jesus loves them, they're going to seek you out. They're going to find you and ask you to pray for them. So, guys, uh, I've got a couple of more scripture, and uh, I'm going to, while I'm uh, wrapping this up, and honestly, I don't, this is not uh, evangelistic speaking. I do have two scriptures left. Uh, so, what, what do you do? And while I'm uh, sharing these last two scriptures, I need, uh, I want to get our, uh, if I could get our deacons and our elders, if you guys would move the, uh, the uh, mics back and uh, the little podiums back, if you'd move those back, bring the chairs up, if you would, please. Uh, and for those of you that are going to get baptized, not yet, don't, don't leave just yet. I want you to hear this as well. So, when, when my heart, when my heart is, let me, let me go back and I, I want to read the, the song again because I think the song speaks as loud as the scriptures. Oh, to grace, how great a debtor daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. And that's what the world is saying. You know, forget Christianity, forget the Bible. Man, look, look out here. I mean, isn't she beautiful? Or, man, don't you love the, that car? Or, you know, uh, you know, let's spend some time, a little extra time on the computer. You know, your wife's gone, the kids are out of the house. Nobody's going to see it. Nobody's going to know. It's just you and God. And, uh, you know, it's like we are prone to walk away, even though we know in our mind, we even know in our heart that Jesus died for us. And he came to just, he came to set us free from any kind of sin that wants to bind us or hinder us. Remember in, in the Hebrew scripture, it says, uh, lay aside every weight that hinders you from running the race. He says, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. And sometimes I just pray that. I wish that. I wish I could just give God my heart and give God my will so that I wouldn't have to worry about sin anymore. Anybody else ever feel like that? I just, I just like, I just want to, Lord, take it. And I'm tired of dealing with sin. I don't want another battle with the devil today. I'm tired of the fight. And see, that's where we get in trouble because many times, you know, it's just like easy, easier to give in than it is to fight. It's easier to give in to the temptation than it is to fight it. But when that happens, let me just tell you that there is an out. There's an out for you. 
in Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26. And, uh, you know, before I quote that scripture or read that scripture, let me just tell you that there's a scripture, and I believe it comes from the book of Isaiah, where Isaiah says, if I'm wrong, you can correct me on this. Some of you might know the word a little better. But he says, God says, put me in remembrance of my word. It's not that he's forgot it. It's not that God has forgot his word. But when my heart starts to drift and my heart starts to wander, I come back to a scripture like this. And I say, God, you said, your word says that you will give me a new heart and that you will put a new spirit in me and that you will remove from me my old heart of stone and you'll give me a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and... uh, in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. And David, uh, he cried out. He felt that after he had sinned, that great sin of murder and lying and adultery, and, uh, you know, he felt that he had broken relationship with God. Remember when God spoke to Adam and Eve in the garden, and he says, if you eat of this, the moment that you eat of this, you're going to die. If you, if you touch this, if you eat this fruit, you will die. Well, they ate it. They didn't die. But what happened is that they died spiritually. They were set apart from God. And so after David's sin, he recognized that, God, your, your Holy Spirit's not with me like it used to be. I don't have the closeness with you like I used to have. I feel like you've departed from me, God. I feel like my prayers aren't being answered anymore, Lord. And so... You know, uh, David begins to cry out to God, and he says, cleanse me with hyssop. Uh, I mean, right away, if you're a Jew, that, that gets your antennas up. Because hyssop what was, was what was used. It was a bush or a branch from a bush that was used. And they would dip it in the lamb's blood. Remember that Passover night? And he says, dip the brush or the bush into the hyssop or into the, uh, the hyssop into the blood and sprinkle some on the side posts and upon the the header of the doorway. And when God sees that, the Passover angel would pass over your house. And so David is uh, saying this, cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than the snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let my bones that you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sin and blot out all my iniquity. And then he says, Lord, create in me a pure heart. Oh, God, renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. See, David recognized that that God had departed. He had pushed God out because the Bible says that our sins, Isaiah 59 verses 1 and 2 says, that our sins have separated us from God. And David recognized that he was being separated. Sin was separating him from God. And when I feel that, when I feel the lure of the world driving me away or or luring me its way instead of God's way, I put God in remembrance of these words. I said, God, remember you said, you said you were going to give me a new heart. And you said you would cleanse me and give me a clean heart. You said that you wouldn't take your Holy Spirit from me. You said that you would renew a right spirit within me. And so when you are being lured away, when you're being drawn away, you can resist the devil. The Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. 
And you can just simply say, God, I I resist the devil in Jesus' name. The second part of that scripture is draw near to God. Draw near to God, and, and he will draw near to you. And so I just want to encourage you, you know, guys, you know, I go back to the question this morning, what is it that you want? And if you will remember what you wrote on your paper, you know, I'm sure that if I saw your paper, I might see everything from, Lord, I want to win the lottery, uh, to, uh, you know, uh, I want to be famous, I, I want to be, I want all my dreams fulfilled. And there might be prayers in there, Lord, I'm praying for my aunt or my mother or my father who's dying now, and I ask you for a healing for them. There might be prayers in there like, just like we talked about. Lord, I'm feeling distant from you. I'm feeling like, you know, we're not as close as we used to be. And what I really want, what I want more than anything, is a right relationship with you. A right relationship with you. What I really want is to know that when I die, I'm going to be saved. That I don't have to worry about if I'm going to hell or not. Because your word says that I can have that assurance that I'm going to heaven. Not because of what I've done, but because of God's grace. Simply because of the grace of God. If you would, I would I'd like for you just to, I want you to uh, close your eyes and just bow your head for just a moment. There are some of you that are here this morning that know that, that your life is not right with God. And you never have ever called out to him for salvation, asking him to be the Lord and the Savior of your life. That you've lived life the way that you wanted to live life. You've lived life, the life of this world. Every new thing that comes out, every new gadget, even that phone that you have in your hand right now will be outdated by the time you leave this auditorium. And you start thinking about the next newest and greatest, the latest and greatest thing out there. And everything is in the natural. Everything is just of this world. It's temporal. And you have spent a life looking at and working for that which will not last. And at this moment, God is speaking to your heart. And he's saying, I'm calling you. I'm calling you. Calling you sons and daughters. I'm calling you. And God's saying, do you want to answer that call this morning? Will you respond to the call of God? who is wooing and tugging on you. He's tugging on your heart right now. If you want to respond to that call of God, just right where you are, heads bowed and eyes closed, I want you to raise your hand. You want to receive Jesus today as your Lord and Savior. You want to receive him as your Lord and Savior today. It's okay. You don't have to be ashamed. Jesus was not ashamed. When you, when he went to the cross, I see a number of hands. Okay, you can put those down. And you can just simply say, Father, in the name of your son, Jesus, I come to you. And I know that I have sinned. I've lived my life pretty much for myself. But I see now, in the light of circumstances and the light of things that have happened, that there is 
a greater cause to live for. That money and houses and cars are not satisfying. There's a deeper call within me. The word says that deep calls to deep. And that deep spirit of God is calling right now to the deep spirit that's within you. That has been asleep for so many years. And God is speaking to your spirit and saying, awaken, awaken in the name of Jesus. The, the word of God says the hour is coming and now is. Now is, right now, now is. The hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God. And those that hear will live. And if you've heard that call of Jesus is calling you this morning, deep is crying out to deep, saying, choose life today. Choose life. Choose life. Because there is no other way to get to heaven. There is no other way of salvation except through the name of Jesus Christ. I mean, you can't work your way there. You can't pay enough money to get there. You can't pray your way into heaven. You can't come to church often enough to get to heaven. You can't remember, memorize the Bible or read the Bible enough to get to heaven. You simply get there by receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And the way you do that, the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth, this is Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, that you will be saved. And the Bible says that whosoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And if you're calling on him this morning, you too will be saved. And if you did call on him this morning, the Bible says that once you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that you need to repent of your sins. That's simply just telling God you're sorry for living your life the way that you've lived it in the past. You repent of your sins. This is from Acts chapter 2. Peter says, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins and you will receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit because the promise is to you and to those that are far off. If you prayed that prayer this morning, I don't care if you look, you can look at me now. I don't care if you prayed that prayer this morning, you need to get baptized. And you may think, well, I didn't, I don't have a towel. I didn't, I, you know, I didn't bring an extra change of clothes. Let me tell you something. That Ethiopian that Philip baptized, I don't think he was thinking about a change of clothes. I think he's thinking, man, I got to I got to go all the way back from Jerusalem to Ethiopia. That's a long ride. I don't think he was thinking, I, I, I don't want to get my chariot seat wet. I think he was, he was thinking, you know what? I mean, this, this is probably the most, without a doubt, the most important moment that you will ever have in your life is when you come as a sinner, as a, a person that is dead toward God. Remember what God told Adam and Eve, you will die. And this is called reconciliation. That word just simply means putting back things the way that they were, that they were at one time. And when you give your life to Jesus, it is putting things back the way they were. Jesus said, that's putting things back the way they were. God the Father and you living together like Adam and Eve lived with God in the garden. And God's desire through Jesus Christ is to put it back the way that it was.